And my idea is to start a um, shuttle to circulate um, patients and and the general public around the Golden Mile to facilitate not only office business but access to uh, things like medication, um, uh, food shopping, etc. That was Dr. Julio Menacol, a physician on the Golden Mile. Menacol is planning to provide a shuttle service on the Golden Mile starting in November. He'll be paying for the shuttle out of his own practice's pockets in the beginning, but he might look into nonprofit options. I spoke with Dr. Menacol about his plans and why he wants to start a free shuttle. So why does the Golden Mile need a, a, system, a shuttle system? Um, well, what is, what's happening now, um, we, we surveyed our patients about four years ago uh, as to what were the barriers impeding them to access the office. And most of them indicated that um, after 2 p.m., they had trouble leaving their, their their houses and apartments to come to the office. The most the most common reason was uh, due to feeling that they um, they were not uh, they would not be safe if they ambulated, uh, especially if they crossed Route 40. Uh, and second is they didn't have adequate transportation to come to the office. Uh, most of these patients don't don't have uh, any kind of transportation. And they rely on the bus system, which which runs somewhat inefficiently and not through all the uh, um, the neighborhoods that that are in and around the Golden Mile. So how um, will, so, go ahead. So how will your um, system be different than something like what Transit offers already? Well, it'll be it'll be uh, free to the to the public. Uh, it will not be restricted to my medical practice, so you know, it's it's even though it'll be one of the stops, uh, if people want to use this the circulator, they do not have to be um, coming to the practice. They could be going somewhere else, for example, going to the supermarket, going to the pharmacy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it'll also operate in in routes that. Um, Transit doesn't currently service, and last but not least, it'll be running in a in a in a loop, um, and in a much reduced area than than what transit offers. So we we expect that it'll be used used mostly by people that live in or around the Golden Mile. All right, perfect. And so now you mentioned that when you were talking to patients, one of the biggest uh, challenges they had was transportation. So how does transportation limit someone's access to health care? Well, you know, the, the issue that, that brought this to our attention was the fact that uh, the 15-month on-time vaccination rates for a catchment area have, have held steadily at 70% over the past five years. Even though the the four year vaccination rates are up somewhere around ninety percent, uh, we we look. Where I like to look, and the government looks at how many kids are actually vaccinated at fifteen months of age. The the main issue there um, was felt to be lack of transportation for the for these patients and their mothers, of course, who are the ones who bring the children in to the doctor's office. Um, so, so we thought this this would be a, a way to increase uh, patient access to our office 
and of course increasing the vaccination rates. All right. And so right now I understand that you're paying for this out of your own pockets? We plan to. We won't start until November, correct? All right. And from there, are you hoping to turn this into a nonprofit? Yeah, correct. So I, I think we're going to piggyback onto a, a nonprofit. And there's two or three that fit the criteria nicely. Um, so those are the probably going to be the next meeting. So I anticipate that I'll start the uh, the service and pay for it privately until we can get the legal structure set up that will be run as a 501c3 and be able to capture grants and uh, uh, other funds. All right. And so now I know uh, last time I spoke with you, you're still working on a name. Any Anywhere closer to what it might be called? Um, I, um, I want it to be called Clyde Devan, but it's probably going to be called the Golden Mile Circulator. Perfect. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Anything else you think we should know? No, Heather. Thanks for your support. No problem. Well, thank you so much for hopping on this call. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Bye. Medical's shuttle will likely go from Bogman's Lane, where Dr. Medical's practice is located, across to the Kmart, up US-40 to Hillcrest Drive, to McCain Drive, to Butterfly Lane. From Butterfly Lane, it will continue to Mount Phillip Road, take a left on McCain Drive, to Key Parkway, and back to Bogman's Lane. The shuttle will run twice a day, once from 9.30 to 10 a.m., and once from 2.30 to 3 p.m. Medical shuttle does not mean that there aren't other transit options on the Golden Mile. In speaking with Transit via email, they mentioned how the Golden Mile is actually one of the more transit-dense areas in Frederick County. There are currently five fixed routes in the Golden Mile area, as well as a Transit Plus service that provides daily trips in throughout the area, and also a county taxi access program for Transit Plus customers that offers rides 24-7 every day of the year. Um, there's no immediate plans to increase service to the area, but there's um, a project and works to create a dedicated bus lane to more efficiently move people in the area. Transit is a nonprofit county agency, and they do understand that they're not always meeting the needs in the county um, because they're fiscally constrained like many other nonprofits. Transit's transportation development plan is done every five years and will be done this fiscal year, and that will help them reevaluate where they need more service or places that they can make more efficient service. So for those wondering why a circulator is needed. We did mention how Transit talked about how there are already a lot of options on the Golden Mile, how it's one of the more dense uh, areas in terms of transit options. But there's still a lot of needs there, um, especially for people who need to get to their doctors. And so some of the people that I talked to in the article, including Dr. Menical, mentioned how if you don't get to your doctor's appointments, that means you're missing out on physicals, you're miss- missing out on sick appointments. I mean, just think about all the things you need your doctor. And now imagine not being able to get there because if you want to go, you have to walk. With the Golden Mile, one of the things is it's just not very easy to walk, and that's why transit options or the circulator will really help. One of the people I talked to, Stephen Stoike, who lives in the Hillcrest area, mentioned how they are put up fences all along the Golden Mile to prevent people from walking over the very crowded and busy road. And even with crosswalks, which do exist on the Golden Mile, if you're older in a wheelchair, have kids, or maybe you just don't walk very quickly, you might not get across the uh, Golden Mile in time for the light changing. And also, it's hot right now. I mean, there's been days where it's 90% humidity. Just imagine walking just to get to your doctor because you don't have another form of transportation. And another thing, this is not just for medicine. Yes, it's being paid for by a doctor and maybe a nonprofit after that. But this is also going to stop by pharmacies. It's going to stop by grocery stores. It's giving people an option to get to some of the basic needs that they might have. 
So even though you might see it as some Dr. Medical taking on new patients because they can get to his doctor's office now, it's also going to help people get to the grocery store. They're getting, you know, passing by the Kmart. So that's now a place that they can go shopping. And especially if they're coming with a do- from a doctor's, they're now going to have a place to pick up their prescriptions. So this is free, um, and Dr. Medical is, again, not just limiting it to his patients, so anyone can take this circulator between 9.30 and 10, or 2.30 and 3, um, and it goes around that loop, um, and so you can hop on wherever and get off where you need to. It's going to start and end at Bogman's Lane, which is where his practice is. And if you are not a patient of Dr. Medical's, or you are looking to be, he said that one of the things that he is going to do because of the circulator is that he'll make sure that he does have walk-in appointments. Um, it's something he already takes on, but he did say um, that there will be appointments for those people who take the circulator to his office so they're not just taking a wasted trip. Here we have a situation on the Golden Mile where there is a lack of transportation options for some people. But I do want to make sure that people are aware that this is not an issue that just affects the Golden Mile. It pretty much affects all of the county. Um, earlier this year, uh, in January, they shut down a Tuesday midday shuttle between Thurmont and Emmitsburg because of low uh, ridership. But a lot of people in Thurmont and Emmitsburg, even Brunswick, mentioned how it can be difficult to get to a doctor's office because they're mostly located in Frederick. And if you don't have a car, it can be very difficult to get from the outlying places in our county to downtown Frederick or to TJ Drive or even to the Golden Mile. And so as Dr. Menicol is doing this shuttle and trying to help people on the Golden Mile. This is something that the county is going to have to keep tackling um, to make sure that people can get to their health care needs, um, whether it is a doctor's office or treatment centers for opioid addiction. All sorts of things come from um, access to health care that for a lot of people in our county, they just don't have without a car right now. Dr. Menicol's shuttle will not be in service until about November. So keep checking back with the Frederick News Post as we continue to follow this story. And if you haven't had a chance to read the original article, you can check it out at fredericknewspost.com. So it's the time in our podcast that we talk about 72 hours. So Kate, what can we expect this week? Okay, so I guess I'll start with our cover story, which is about Frederick's, or Frederick County, rather, the first ever cat cafe moving into the area. Um, and I guess, do you want me, I can, I can preface that by sort of explaining the concept of a cat cafe, because I spoke to the, I I spoke to prospective owner, Diane Foland, and apparently there are a lot of misperceptions. So a cat cafe is not somewhere where you can bring your cat to hang out. It's not really a rescue organization, so you can't, you know, bring cats off the street to the cafe. And there is an admission fee, um, but that's largely just to cover the cost of operating it, because what a cat cafe is is basically a free ran a free range rescue center so she is taking cats from frederick county animal control who haven't been able to find homes and they're going to live in this cafe and you can go you can pay 15 dollars, and you can buy pre-made food from hippie chick hummus and then possibly order a tea or coffee and then just like hang out with these cats and diane was pretty cute and described it as like an interview like getting a better chance for cats and prospective owners to interview one another but it's moving to frederick um and so i thought that the story behind that was pretty interesting and quirky because obviously you know you see tons of media coverage whenever a cat cafe opens in new york or tokyo or wherever all right so now 
with this perspective interview so people can adopt their cats from this cat cafe? Yes. So at this cafe, you would follow all the normal processes that you would if you were to adopt a cat at Frederick County Animal Control. So if there's a guy that you really click with, you would essentially talk to an employee and they would give you paperwork that you would then fill out and it would be sort of following all the normal channels. But then, of course, the the real benefit as a cafe is that you can spend longer with the cat. So, you know, Diane gave the analogy of sometimes you see a cat at the shelter and it's adorable but then it's really shy and you really wanted a lap cat or you are someone who doesn't like a super affectionate cat but this cat is all over you so it's kind of a way to see how the cat behaves in a more natural environment than just the little kennels that they have all right so i know we mostly talk about your stories but you do have a cat yes i do have a cat (laughs) so are you going to see yourself going to this cat cafe or can you no longer take on another cat you know i i just i think that i am holding off i don't think that i could take on another cat right at this moment especially with my apartment size but maybe in the future if i ever out outsize and expand i can go to the cafe all right, perfect. Well, what else do we have in 72 hours? Yeah, so another story that I was report or I was excited to report this week was on a recent change to Maryland's craft distillery laws. So up until July 1st, distilleries could not serve cocktails or mixed drinks in their tasting rooms, which was a surprise for a lot of out-of-state vis- visitors because in Pennsylvania, you can serve unlimited cocktails. In Virginia, you can serve mixed drinks, and there are just a few caveats. And so it doesn't, for the distilleries, it doesn't seem, or for the distilleries, the law was a big deal because essentially it's not quite the equivalent of a brewery or winery where people, of course, if you order a glass of beer, you're just drinking that glass of beer. Or if you order a bottle of wine, you're drinking that bottle of wine. But a lot of distilleries, um, especially in Frederick County, were lobbying hard for this rule change because most people don't drink straight spirits. You know, most people go to a bar and order a gin and tonic and not a gin. And so their argument was that it was kind of preventing them from expanding and, you know, keeping people from staying in their tasting rooms, you know, for a significant amount of time. Um, And it was just making it hard for the industry overall. And so the story is all about that and those changes, and then also how it's affecting the craft distilling industry here in Frederick, because there are already a number of distilleries who are really jumping on the trend and launching cocktail programs or planning to expand their tasting rooms to take advantage of that new rule. Very cool. And so with this new law, is there any limit on how many cocktails they can serve? So technically, it's not... When I read the legislation, it's not a, you know, glass by glass limit. It's not like, oh, only two drinks per customer, but essentially craft distilleries can only serve a certain volume of their spirits a year to customers, but it's so massive, um, you know, comparatively for these small guys that it's not really a worry, you know, because they're not going to be, I, I forget the exact numbers, I'd have to check my notes, but they're not, they, they're not worried that they're going to exceed that limit. Um, but one important thing that is that I would like to note, an important piece of the story, is that there is a little bit of stress because it wasn't clear if the legislation was going to pass this year. And part of that is because our senator, our state senator, Ron Young, was initially very propo- or op- opposed to the legislation. There is a piece of it the, the original bill basically stated that you could serve outside alcohol as long as 75% of the cocktail was made with house-made spirits. So essentially, like if you're having a Manhattan, you could use your own bourbon or rye or whatever, but then you could buy outside vermouth 
to put in the drink. And Senator Young's argument was essentially that this made distilleries exactly like bars. So they ended up having to do a last minute shuffle and change the legislation so that 100% of the spirits, alcoholic beverages, used to make the cocktail had to come from in-house. So it kind of, it's interesting because some distilleries have really leaned into this. Like the focus of the story is 10th Ward and Frederick, which does a lot of unusual spirits. And they've leaned hard into their cocktail program. So they are doing like House Vermouths and House Amaros and all these blending liqueurs that you use in a lot of cocktails. And other people are taking it simple because obviously it's sort of it adds things to your production line if you are making a lot of house-made specialty spirits. Very cool. And so in terms of like if I go to one of the distilleries in Frederick, am I going to be paying the same prices I might if I go to a bar in downtown Frederick? Yeah, I mean, I went to 10th Ward and, you know, I will say that I can personally vouch for their cocktail program because I thought they were all really good. And I think I paid like what, $10 for a cocktail flight and then like 10 or $12. So it is basically the equivalent, you know, of a downtown restaurant. You're not paying high markups um, to go to these distilleries. Now, I won't go too much into this because it's not too much of the story, but you just mentioned a cocktail flight? Yeah, so it's fun. I mean, that's the funnest part of the story, the getting to go there and try it. But, I mean, 10th Ward has a very extensive menu already. You know, they have things. I can actually pull it up right here. I mean, they have both seasonal and, uh, you know, year-round cocktails. And one of them is, for example, the the Key City, which is their Caraway Rye and House Blanc and Chocolate Bitters. So it's essentially like a, a chocolate Manhattan or the Lady Fritchie, which has Absinthe Nouvelle and then grapefruit juice and rose water and simple syrup. And so they're all pretty delicious. And then the best thing is that you can get flights where you can get sort of a mix of three cocktails to sample. Um, and it's a pretty good deal. All right. Awesome. Well, since we're kind of on the food and beverage drink. Yes. Um, train right now let's talk about where you went to go eat this week yeah so this week i went to old town restaurant which is in mount airy and they're a restaurant that has been open since 1934 so i think it's pretty safe to call them um you know a local institution but i wanted to visit them because they recently transitioned ownership and I was just curious to see um, how things were going over there. And, you know, I think what's most admirable is that the new owner really has a commitment to making things house-made. So they launched sort of more of an extensive bakery program. So they're going to have fresh bagels and English muffins um, and baked goods. And that's very much in transition right now. But... I think, you know, there are good things to come. And I also think that, you know, in terms, if you just look at the the county context, there aren't that many local diners. A lot of them are dying off. So it almost feels silly for me to review it because, yeah, like it was good diner food. But more importantly, it's just been the staple in the community that's able to stay open because this new owner is coming in. So I'll just say, since I, I do cover Mount Airy, uh-huh. um, when we went, I was a little afraid I was going to get recognized <laughs> by somebody. Um, but it is a pretty cool thing for Mount Airy. They mentioned it at the council meeting that it's coming under new ownership. Oh, and very I think, nice. Um, Mount Airy's downtown is a little bit more developed than some of the other places, but it also has its own struggles. So I think anytime a new owner comes or keeps something in alive, it's always good for a town. Yeah, and like I went a couple times and, you know, you can just tell that a lot of these customers, you know, are known on a first name basis and they know their orders. And I think there's a beauty in that and having a place where people know who you are and people know what you like. 
All right, perfect. And so now I just want to talk a little bit about the advice column. So I don't want to ask you too much about the advice because people can read that online. And <laughs> I definitely recommend people read Kate's advice. Um, but I want to ask you about giving out advice. Like, okay. have you found this challenging at all? You know, I ha- I have found it challenging. I mean, it's not like a life or death situation, but I want to give out the best advice possible. Um, but I do find it interesting. Um And, you know, I think the most interesting thing to me is that Alan and I, um, you know, who also gives advice, it's not like we can pair answers beforehand. So I like to see where we're similar and where we're different in terms of the advice that we give. And has there been a a question so far that's really stumped you or made you think? Hmm. Well, there is one this week um, that I answered there that we answered about a man who uh, his wife had his wife had died, and he had, and that was five and a half years ago. But he met a new lady friend um, at a grieving spouses group, and I think he was having a little bit of an issue because you know he had sort of processed his grief, um, you know, and, and was looking for new companionship. And this woman, um, you know, they were I guess sort of doing girlfriend boyfriend things, and he was you know helping out around the house a little bit, and they were going on dates. But she is not totally ready for a commitment. Her husband only died, um, you know, about a year and a month ago. So I think she's still waiting. And so he had a quandary about, you know, how fast he should move and how long he should wait. And I think that was interesting to me because I could I could really see both sides um, and how it would be difficult to be going into this relationship where things are kind of nebulous. But then at the same time, I think, you know, what I told him is you have to give people some time and give her the same same uh, number you know say, or like same process that you got to go through after the passage of your wife all right perfect and always wh- where can people send their advice or their questions for your advice oh yeah people can d- always email me um at kmasters k-m-a-s-t-t-e-r-s at newspost.com or direct message me on twitter facebook however all right perfect and what, as always you can always read kate's stuff at 72 hours um it comes out on thursday so you can read it at the fredericknewspost.com absolutely kate thank you so much thank you heather frederick uncut is produced by me heather mangilio and edited by graham cullen We'll see you next week.